we're starting a new series this weekend, and it's going to be the Frequently Asked Questions series. And Tom, you got a number you're going to put up as we're going through the message today? And it's going to be a different kind of service for the next six weeks. It's not going to be, um, it's, yeah, it's going to be different. If you've got questions as we go through, go ahead and text them, and that'll give some of you who like to play with your phones during the service an excuse to get them out and play with them anyhow. Um, just turn your ringers off so that, you know, all of that stuff. But your questions will come in down here, and I'll filter through. And if we're going to um, look at them later on in the series, then I won't necessarily address them today. But we'll try and get to as many questions as we can. A bunch of you submitted questions previously. And so we're going to look at some of those questions um, as we go along. But the first question, uh, go ahead and put it up, Tom. First question that I want to uh, look at today was this. What about when you pray and you don't see any movement? This morning we're going to talk about prayer. A um, number of you submitted questions, and for me, this is one of the most sacred activities that you and I can, can be involved in. And that's weird, too, because prayer can be like, wow, help me! I mean, that can be some people's prayer, and it's been mine before in certain situations, but it's also been on my knees for an extended period of time. Um, prayer can be for somebody, for a situation, Prayer can be praise. I mean, it's like prayers can take a whole bunch of different forms. And it's amazing to me how this can be one of those areas in a, in a Christian's life that causes um, confusion. It causes wonder. For me, it's an incredible source of joy to be able to pray and to know that there are other people praying with me. Okay, somebody just sent a text already. And we haven't even hardly got started. Um, that's probably Tom up there going, hey, how you doing? So prayer is just an amazing thing. And I'm not going to attempt to answer everything about prayer because to be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about prayer. I'm growing in my ability to pray. Um, it's kind of a weird thing because people from all different faiths pray. It's not just isolated to Christ followers. I mean, you've got people from all across the spectrum. I mean, even non-believers pray. Um, the question at hand is this. What about when you pray and you don't see movement? I'm going to invite Kyle up here. Kyle Lancaster, give him a hand, everybody. Let's step out front. Kyle and his wife, Teresa, um, had a home out north of Hastings a little ways, and they felt like the Lord was leading them to put their house up for sale. So what did you do, Kyle? Hmm. Um, there was a lot of waiting. Um, there's no doubt in the beginning we both went into prayer time asking uh, the directions that we needed to go. What did your prayer look like, you and Teresa? So on kitchen table, on your knees, as you're driving, what did it look like? Um, basically at first... I got I get first. I got to admit one thing, um, and I still don't understand why I went this path. But I had a lot of struggle with praying with my wife. I knew biblically that was the best way to go, and to this day I, I can't explain why I had that mindset. Um, through our circumstances, there is no doubt that it, it came to. Um, Kyle, come on, wake up. This is your, well, 
for 31 years. She's been my girlfriend for 28. She's been my wife. Um, there's no doubt in my mind when we uh, started to hang on to hands in prayer, when we started to kneel in prayer, um, no matter what the situation was. And obviously the situation was that, hey, we wanted to downsize. Uh, both our kids were out of the house. We had two grandchildren at the time. We've got a third one on the way. Um, hey, we got to keep the kids out of the house as much as we can. Uh, um, so your prayer was? Yeah. Our prayer was basically we really was looking to downsize. Um, right. You know, looking for a, a smaller monthly bill and a house payment type thing, you know. Um, both of us, have, basically, we've been totally blessed with financial. So uh, it, it wasn't to where we wanted to get back into major debt. But um, fortunately, in many days of kneeling and praying God for guidance, um, uh, it, I guess it basically went for a year, maybe about two or three showings. And we continued to go to prayer, Lord, is this the path that you want us to go on? Um, we continued. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that it was going to be an, it was an easy task. It wasn't. Because um, there was a lot of disappointment. Um, my Lord, is, are we going the right direction? Um, the biggest thing I was going to miss about walking away from the place was my pole barn. Yeah, like a man cave that's like none other. This thing was gorgeous. Yeah, you know, and I I uh, I had a butcher shop, and I was through the community. A lot of people brought deer to me, and uh, I got to meet a lot of different, you know, type of people. You know, got to hear the deer stories and all that. You know, that was that was just the, a little thing about why we wanted to move. Um, so your, house, your house finally sold, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it went on market for a year, uh, and then we decided to change uh, realtors. You should be down here because I can't remember days. It was That's a fine. very, very short time period. The house sold. Yep. I mean, we weren't, we really weren't ready. Where'd you move after you sold your home? You were looking to move into another home, and you kind of had your sights set on a certain place, didn't you? Yeah. Um, what happened with that whole story? Hmm. Well, that one story uh, basically ended up being five different stories that went into disappointment because we lost the first house and in that time period you know, before we or as we sold the house I went to my parents to say hey if we sell the house you got a room for us and April probably the second week of April the house was sold we just closed on the house April 9th of this year so a year ago a year ago you so, moved in with your folks and you're how old? <laughs> not even kidding, right? It's like we jump into this thing with prayer. And I'm not going to make light of this and tell you all it's easy or anything else. Prayer doesn't make it all crystal clear and make it all easy. It's like, yeah. I mean, Kyle and I had quite a few conversations as they were going through this process. And it was at times frustrating, wasn't it? Because oh. it's like, what do you? What about when you pray and you don't see movement? It's yeah, like, I have no, you know, I have no answer. Other than this right here, God's word, because I'll guarantee you, um, there were times that 
I didn't pick it up. And when I did pick it up, it was so obvious that the answer was right there, and I ignored it. Um, yeah, mom and dad were great. I mean, it's good. It's parents are great. Yep. You, you can't you can't lose that concept of you know if you dislike your mother-in-law or whatever you know type thing. You you can't do that. Um, so you looked at five different places, and it was no on all five of them. Yeah, it, there was there was times that financially we just weren't going to do it. Right. You know they wanted a certain price, and I says, and you know we agreed. Um, no, can't we can't do it. You know our goal was to be at or lower to what we walked away from. Right. Uh, when we sold. It's like the verse in Matthew that pops out to me. It's like count the cost before you build a house. It's like anybody can get in over their head, and then, yeah. You know, and you, the, you, you had made up your minds yeah. that you were not going to get in over your heads, didn't right. you? And that was the, the neat thing about, um, you know, to build. I have the ability to build my own house. Like, that's what that house was. I built that one, and I wanted to do that again. We had set property up. That was actually our first um, door closed. As, uh, um, we went through an agency and and still it was a financial thing I had numbers all figured out I had uh, blueprints already drawn up um, just a major that's what it took to get a house done and that fell through and it was a major blessing because that it fell asked, through yeah that it so it's a major blessing that your deal fell in part in front of you when you were going through it what did it feel like a major blessing after the information I found out, yes. After the information, right. Was the fact that um, property is not selling for that. Do not pay for that right. price. Absolutely. And that was through a, um, a friend. Uh, he worked for an agency that basically went around and assessed property. He's yep. the assessor. And he says, do not spend that amount on that per acre. But when you were going through it, I remember it was like, stank. Yeah. It's a spiritual word. For when your prayers don't get answered the way you want them answered, right? You can, you can write that down if you're a note taker. Stink, right? But we, you know, um, I don't know how long you want me to talk, but we are in a new house. If you're going to look at a picture um, uh, of a house that has Kevin and Teresa's name on it, the one that they finally ended up with would be the home. I mean, it's like Kevin and Teresa's home. I mean, it's it's awesome. You know, and the biggest, through those failures, the way we thought it should go, the failures are, there's no, there's no doubt about it. In the end, there is a blessing about it. Because even if your couples are dating um, and you've got decisions you have to make, in order to get those decisions finalized, you have to come together. And if you come together on your knees, as Teresa and I did, we didn't do it all the time. I, I'm not standing here telling you that everything was picture perfect. It wasn't. Um, because uh, I guess the one thing I want to say is that um, when I was um, discouraged, Teresa gave her 110% to encourage me back through it. 
I don't know how often that's worked in our marriage. Yeah, and, and it was vice versa to where I would try right. to encourage her to, you know, hey, we, we got to stick together on this, you know. Yeah, it, it's we're going to do it. It'll it'll work. So what would you say? What about when you pray and you don't see movement? What's your one-word answer? Persevere. Um, Gary asked me to come down earlier, and that was that was the word instantly that came to my mind. And if you go to Romans 5, um, it talks about the perseverance, and I've got my finger on it. If you allow me to read it, I think. Can we hold this? It talks about peace and joy. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in the sufferings, because we know the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom we have, whom he has given us. Nice. I'm 48 years old. None of this has come easy. And it has... I have no doubt in my mind that it will never stop because of perseverance on my part, but perseverance on the Holy Spirit and God's power. So, you guys go to prayer. Please don't give up. Don't give up. If you have a, a girlfriend, boyfriend relationship and you know it's a God sent, don't give up. You have a marriage. Don't give up on each other. It's well worth it. As the song says, he has a crown for us for what we in exchange for what we do here. Nice. Just stay positive with each other. Don't give up. Thank you. So... Yeah, without a doubt. There's some of you that are in here that have been praying for a certain situation. You've been praying for a loved one. You've been praying for a family member, um, a situation in your own life. This is a, a home, and, and <clears throat> when you're the one going through it, it's a big deal, isn't it? It really is a big deal. They sold their home, lived with their in-laws for a year, another year, or waiting for a year to sell their home, and then it was another year before they got into a home of their own. That whole two-year period, it's like their life was kind of like this, you know? It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. And You guys know, some of you have been through stuff like that. It's like a roller coaster. It really is emotionally. And it is persevere. Um, prayed for my sister. She was um, captured with an addiction, and we prayed for her for 15 years. And finally the Lord um, gave her a period of time where she was broke free of that. And it was just beautiful. Some of you are sitting here today with this in mind. What about when you pray and you don't see movement? Does that mean I'm praying for the wrong thing? Does that mean I'm praying in the wrong way? 
does that mean I, I just missed something somehow, somewhere? It's like, maybe. Maybe. There are some reasons sometimes why God doesn't answer prayer. As a husband, there's a group of us guys who um, just got through with a, a book study called Resolution based on the movie Courageous. And Bob Tafey and Steve Cates and Kevin Davis are taking some people through it. And guys, um, this has probably been one of the best Bible studies. This is just at a commercial here for just a minute. One of the best things I've, I've gone through with a group of guys in my entire spiritual journey. And so these guys are starting one. Talk to Bob Tafey and Steve Cates and Kevin Davis if you're interested um, in going through that with them. At the same time, ladies, um, Bobby Tafey is going through one um, for women. It's a guys and girls thing so that you can talk honestly. It's about being a godly man and being a godly woman and living that out. But it's like we prayed for 15 years for my sister. And it's like some of you are in that right now. Sometimes our prayers don't get answered. Um, in my relationship with my wife, the Bible says that if I mistreat her, then I should not expect to have my prayers answered. Another part would be if I'm living in disobedience. If I'm presenting requests to God while I know I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing, then that's going to hinder my prayers being answered as well. So it's like taking a couple of those considerations. You do the examination. You say, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, reveal to me if there's anything in me that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. And if God points it out to you, let it go so that your prayers can be answered. Guys, if you're mistreating your loved one and you know it, then quit so that your prayers can be answered. It's just that simple. It really is. But otherwise, you just you hang in there. Daniel, in, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel um, entered into a season of prayer and fasting. I and mean, he's going without food and everything else and entered into a time of prayer and fasting. And it says he kept praying and fasting for 21 days. And finally, an angel of the Lord showed up and spoke to Daniel at the end of that 21 days. And he said, Daniel, <clears throat> your prayers were heard from the day that you started praying them. But there was some opposition in a spiritual kind of way that prevented you from knowing that there was an answer to your prayer. So it's like sometimes there's spiritual opposition to your prayers being answered. And your job is to keep praying until you um, are released from praying. Make sense? Sexy? Easy? Not even close. But this is part of the life that we're called to. Because this is not a vending machine where you just put in a quarter and you get back the answer to your prayer. Um, there's another question, Tom. What is it? How can we find the balance between being humble and knowing that we have the authority to pray and speak directly to our Almighty God? Because it's an absolutely amazing thing where the Bible says that because of Jesus Christ, you and I get to come boldly into the throne room of grace. And when we're there, it's like we get to present our request to God, and he actually hears you, he cares, he, he has the ability to move and everything else. So what is there to keep us from getting prideful? Um, a couple of things. There's a verse in the, in the book of James that goes like this. James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, He gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture said, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. There's another verse in Hebrews I want you to read along with me. And that verse goes like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. I mean, he knows what you and I are going through. He knows the weaknesses that you have. He knows the weaknesses that I have. He can empathize with that, meaning he knows the feelings that are associated with our weaknesses because he too faced his times of testing and trial and everything else. He's able to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. The basis of you and I being able to approach the throne of grace is Jesus Christ. It's never based on your merit. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how long you've been in church. It's not how much of the Bible you've read. It's not how long you pray. It has nothing to do with any of that. The basis for you being able to enter into the throne room of grace and present your request to God from the very get-go is the grace of Jesus Christ. So there's some things that ought to be going through your mind. First thing would be, you get an invitation into the throne room of grace because of a third person, because of Jesus, not because of you. And so there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to you to get prideful about being able to come into the throne room of grace. It's all about Jesus and what he's done on our behalf. And so it's like puts me into the right mindset then. It's like, okay, I didn't get this because I was selected out of thousands of other people to come into the throne room of grace based on merit. Nope. It's based on Jesus' grace. And he says, you and I, all of us, have that same privilege. There's nothing more special about me than there is you. And I want you to know that you're sitting here today, and whether you've been a believer for a day or whether you've been a believer for 50 years, we share equally in this privilege here. This is fully yours in Jesus Christ. This is not something you earn. It's not something that you spend enough time that you get to enter into this. This is open and available for all of us equally. Does that make sense? Okay, so then this is for you and for me as well. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Now, the word confidence is a two-part word, con meaning with and fidence meaning faith. So let us approach God's throne of grace with faith. Believing that you have a Heavenly Father that sees you, you have a Heavenly Father that knows you, and you have a Heavenly Father that cares and is able to do something about your situation. With faith. James talks about, again, when we approach the throne room of grace, we ought to ask, we ought to ask believing. Because the man who comes going, um, well, maybe... Uh, um, ah, oh, he, ah, he should expect nothing when you come to God. And it only has to be faith like a mustard seed. You don't have to have fully formed faith or anything else. But with faith, come to God, believing that he wants to listen to you. He wants, he wants to. So that you and I may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Go back to the question, Tom. 
How can we find the balance between being humble and knowing that we have the authority to pray and speak directly to our Almighty God? Understand who you are and understand whose you are and never lose sight of it. Never lose sight of it. And occasionally, if you need to, ask somebody else. Say, hey, remind me of who I am. Well, you're a child of God, bought and paid for. You can approach the throne room of grace with confidence because of Jesus Christ, not because of your good works or because of your whatever, because of Jesus. And as soon as you hear those words, from this day forward, my hope would be in your heart and in your life, there would never, ever be an ounce of pride about you approaching God and and presenting your quest to him. Because none of us have a right to that. It's not as if we built anything or established anything on our own. What's the next question, Tom? If the Lord already has plans for each of us, then what is the purpose of praying for things to come? That's an awesome prayer, and it's like one I hear on a regular basis. Anybody ever prayed this? Ever thought it? Just four of us? Really? Awesome. comes from an, an understanding of Scripture is what it comes from, of believing that God has every step of your life directed and ordered. And I, I reject that premise. I do not believe that God has every decision mapped out for you ahead of time for you to step into. I think he has a way of life mapped out for you. I think he has the type of person that he wants you to become, but there's no way that he, in my understanding of Scripture, there's no way that he has every step mapped out for you. And if you take a wrong step, then it's like you screwed up the whole plan. I don't believe that at all. So when it comes to the question like this, if the Lord already has plans for each of us, then what is the purpose of praying for things to come is based on a wrong understanding of Scripture. You're praying for things to come because your prayers actually do change things. That's from the beginning of Scripture all the way through to the end of Scripture. Your prayers can move, can move God, can move him. So it's like our prayers are, are active and effective. It's like, again, the book of James, towards the end of the book in chapter 5, it says the, the, the prayers of a fervent man the effectual prayers of a fervent man. That's like effectual. It means they have an effect in this world in which you and I live. So I reject the premise behind the question, if you'll allow me that. Because my understanding of Scripture is this. God has a path. And when you are saved, then he sets you loose in that path. And then he wants you to seek direction about going forward in that path. But the general course of that path is this. Love God and love other people. So it's like, okay, love God and love other people. Then I don't have to pray about whether or not I love on Kevin Davis. God's already told us to do that. I don't have to pray on whether or not to help Norm Barlow if he calls me up and says, Gary, I need some help. You know what I'm saying? So there's a course of that life that God has set us loose on, and he gives you and I some freedom within that. And then within that, he expects you and I to talk to him about some of the things in that path that you and I may not understand or that we need help with, which come up all of the time. And so when you pray, you're actually moving the hand of God at different times. What's the next question, Tom? How does prayer work? 
It just sounds like such a simple question, doesn't it? I'm going to give you three keys, and here's how it's going to work. And you guys know that it's just crazy thinking like that. How does prayer work? Is there a verse that goes with that, Tom? Acts 12, verse 1. If you got a Bible, flip there with me for a minute. Let me get my other Bible out. Hmm? Yep. We're good. Acts 12, verse 1. It says it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival on unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Herod intended, and I love that little two-word phrase there, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was, what's your verse say? earnestly praying to God for him. Herod intended, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Who? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. This is back before electricity, right? Okay. So it's like a light shone in a cell. He struck Peter on the side and said, Quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked through the, walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the, answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. And I love this part. It's like they're praying for Peter, right? He's in prison over there, and it's like we're praying, praying, praying. She hears Peter's voice. She was so overjoyed. She ran back without opening the door and explained, Hey, Peter's over there. What do you guys think? Should we let him in? You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. How does prayer work? You and I have a need, 
and we earnestly pray. We earnestly seek God. They were doing it together, and sometimes that's what we as a church ought to be doing about the situations in life in which we're facing. It's like too often we'd go at this like lone rangers, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's my problem. I should bear this all by myself, and we try and do that. But there are times when he ought to call out several other Christians and say, hey, I've got this situation going on in my life. Could you pray with me for this? And so they were praying. And I'm wondering what the prayer was was like. Anybody got any ideas? Have you ever visually went through something like this? And it's like, what would a prayer like that sound like? Gene, what do you think? What do you think it would sound like for them praying for Peter? Wow. Now, how much of your Bible do you have to know in order to pray a prayer like that? None! Exactly! (laughs) Exactly! It's like he's in prison, Lord, get him out. I mean, you can have like the worst English in the world. And God still hears. But it takes a heart that wants to talk to God about stuff that you see in your world that's just flat out wrong. You know what I'm saying? So how does prayer work? It has to do with my heart having a willingness to talk to God about situations in my world, believing with even just a little bit of faith that God's going to hear me and move according to our prayers. Does that make sense? How does prayer work? I don't know all the technical aspects, to be honest with you. Just think if you ask me how you guys are hearing me right now, because my lips are moving, air is coming up out of my lungs and through some vocal cords, and it's making some vibrations in the air, and it's hitting an auditory nerve in your ear that's vibrating about the same pace, and your brain somehow translates that into a sound, and you guys understand what I'm saying, so I don't understand that either. (laughs) There are some things I take by faith. When the Bible has, has spoken over and over and over and over and over and over again, about God's people talking to him. About God's people talking to him. He hears. He hears. Daniel 10, I already talked about. What's the one after that one, Thomas? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works, do the works I have been doing. We'll do the, okay, so whoever believes in me will do the works I'm doing. This is Jesus speaking. So it's like you're believing in Jesus, but you're doing works that are contrary to what Jesus is doing. There's a disconnect between what you're believing and all of that stuff, okay? So if you're believing in Jesus, then you and I ought to be giving ourselves to the same things that Jesus gave himself to. If there's a disconnect in there somehow, then we're misunderstanding what this whole relationship with Jesus was all about. Okay, so, he will do even the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything. It's like, serious? I want the lotto. I mean, what are those Powerball numbers, so that I can win, right? Or you've got the coworker. it's like, that just gets under your skin, it's like, Lord, serious, if they just got, you know, relocated to Siberia, that'd be okay with me. <laughs> it's like, pray for anything? Let me back up just a little bit. Whoops. Okay, in my name and I'll do it. Back it up one. Uh, I will do whatever you ask in my name. It's like some of you ought to underline that in your Bible or highlight it in your phone. It's like, in my name. When it says you're praying in in Jesus' name, it means you're praying in the same direction that Jesus would be praying for. And Jesus always prayed so that other people would be blessed, so that other people would be loved, so that other people would enter into the kingdom of God, so that they'd receive the blessings of God. 
There are prayers in the Old Testament. You read through the Psalms, and David's going, God, sick them. <laughs> so it's not above us, right? But you follow through in some of the Psalms where David's going, just wipe them out, God. You just you take them out. And you keep reading through the Psalm, and you get to the part where it's like, okay, but not my will, but your will, God. Every time. When you're asking in Jesus' name, it's like Jesus is uh, earlier today, um, we had a cord break up here, and so Tom went out to Walmart to try and buy some things, and it's like I whipped out of my pocket um, a credit card. It's got my name on it. It says Gary D. And when the bill comes, it actually does come in my name. And so I give it to Tom to go buy some things in my name. When he took the card from my hand, Tom knew what that meant. It means I'm going to treat this with respect. I'm only going to buy something in line with what my dad would have bought with this. And so he didn't come back with a big bag of chocolates. I know. That was last week. He didn't come back with anything because they didn't have the cord thingy that we needed. He used this card in my name exactly like I would have used it. That's what it means in prayer. So it's like, how do you and I, how do you and I get the heart of Jesus? Well, it's like Kyle said, open your Bible and start reading and find out what the heart of God is. So that when you pray, you can pray in the name of Jesus and what you pray for will be given to you. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. It's like in the meantime, in this state of where we're learning what it means to have the name of Jesus, God will put up with our silly prayers. He really will. You keep praying them, but you keep growing in your understanding of what it is that Jesus would pray for. Does that make sense? Okay. Let me shift gears here for just a minute. This is not going to be an exhaustive. <laughs> Question, why is it important to pray together as a family? How important is it to pray together as a family? Why is it important? Um, I think it, how important is it to pray together as a family? Um, somebody texted the question in. I think it's incredibly important for this sake, unity. For unity, a family is just that. It's like, can you imagine a husband and a wife praying in opposite directions? It's like getting together with somebody, um, yeah, with Emily and Chris Stafford. And they're cheering from Michigan State, whatever. And meeting in together and cheering for Michigan. You see what happens right off the get-go? You know what I'm saying? It's each like, and so when we start praying, it's like they're praying, Lord, help Michigan State win. That's like I'm praying, Lord, help Michigan win. It's like a crazy, silly example, but that's why it's important for a husband and a wife to get together or a family to get together in a united kind of way and start praying in the same direction so that when the, God gives an answer, it's not like they're going to be pulled in two different ways. Hmm, how important is it? To be honest with you, it's like Kyle for me and my wife. It, it, it's I, There are some families 
that every night, bam, at this time, it's like they get together and they do a devotional together and they pray together and everything else. It has never quite worked that way for Candace and I. It's always been a little bit of a struggle like that. We've found our own rhythm, though, and that's what I would encourage um, you to do with your family units. Find a rhythm that works for you. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's rhythm because we're not under law. Um, you can find a rhythm that works and then just live it out. Live it out. Does that make sense? Fortunately, God loves me enough not to give me everything I pray for. I'd say amen. I'd say amen. It's like a kid when you go to the carnival. It's like they want all of the stinking candy that they see when they pass by it. And you know as a parent that if you gave them all of the candy that they asked for, that they'd just, you'd be taking home a sick little baby. I took Erica and Rachel and Jesse, and we went to the, um, we went to the um, circus up in Grand Rapids when they were just babies. And we fed them some stuff on our way there. And I'm sitting there holding Erica, and here comes the trapeze guys, and the elephants are down below, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden it was like, gurgle, gurgle. It's like, rut row. <laughs> and then shortly after the gurgle, gurgle, it was like, Ugh! I know, all the way down the front of me. It's like, well, you just little betrayer. How can you have... <laughs> How could you have just done this to We brought you into this world. It's like... But she just, I mean, God loves us enough not to give us everything that we ask for because he's a loving Heavenly Father. And so we ought to respect that part of him, that he has the ability to say no. And, and just like when my kids were younger, sometimes they would stamp their foot or they'd cry or they'd cross their arms or they'd turn away from me or whatever it was. It's like sometimes that's the little fits that we get into as followers of God, as his children. So it's like work through it. How do you know when God is taking, talking to you or it's yourself talking? Sometimes I really don't know. And that's when I go back to Scripture and try and look through Scripture to see if this has any resemblance whatsoever to how God's spoken in the past. And as I've grown and matured, then it seems like I've gotten better in some areas. But sometimes it's a mystery and it takes a little bit of time. And then I talk to other people and say, does this sound like it could have been God? And God works through that as well. Another question. Why is Thomas so good looking? It's genetics. Um, which side? His mom's side. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, another statement is, I don't pray a lot. If I set reminders to pray, is it still wholehearted, or am I just going through the motions? Um... Yeah, to be honest with you, if one of my kids calls me because they put a reminder in their phone and they call me because the reminder went off and it said, call dad, or if they just call me out of the blue, it really doesn't make any difference to me. I love hearing their voice. You know what I'm saying? I think prayer is one of those disciplines that you and I can definitely grow into, and we should. It's one of those privileges that just when you enter into it and you start to understand the beauty of prayer and the frustration of it as well. I'm not going to sell you a, a package here. But when you enter into the beauty of prayer, um, it is incredible. There's one last verse up there from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what should we be praying for? Don't be anxious about anything. So then you and I should be praying about anything that would cause us to be anxious. Anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing that happens when you and I enter into prayer and we actually present our requests to God and then let them go and allow God to be God and we take our hands off and we go about doing what it is that we humans do. There's something amazing that happens inside of me. Now, there are different times when I pray and I come back and I try to inspect what it is. It's like, oh, he hasn't done anything yet. It's like, hey, you, could you help me out here? I prayed about this four minutes ago and there's nothing happened yet. But if you and I would develop this, and I would say write that down and take some time, meditate on it and memorize it. Because your heart will thank you and thank you and thank you. Peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yep. And may that be true of you and I, that when it comes to prayer, you and I would become incredibly good at taking things to God and incredibly good at leaving things with God and trusting Him to move in your life and move in mine. Um, Scott Preston, could you just stand up? Yep, Scott's a member of our community of faith for a long time. And, yeah, there's a... um, Scott represents Right to Life, and so if any of you want to know about Right to Life, talk to Scott. But I'm going to ask Scott to um, close our service today and pray for us. So if you'd um, bow your heads, let's pray. Amen. Have a blessed week celebrating Memorial Day.